You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be talking about living a life of gratitude and generosity. When it comes to generosity, a Christian is given the true picture of a generous life from looking at the Son of God. When a sinner becomes saved by grace, the crucified, risen life of Jesus replaces the life of a fallen man. To live a life of gratitude is to spend time noticing that which you do have and not what you don't. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, Extravagant Generosity. The title of my message this morning is Extravagant Generosity. The subtitle is, The Tell of Two Women. The Tell of Two Women. But Extravagant Generosity. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 8, and Mark's Gospel chapter 14, beginning with verse number 3. Two women we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to look at two words. Yes. Everyone say yes. Everyone say now. Yes and now. All right. You got it. I already got it. Go home now. We'll see you later. First Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse number 8. And then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, who was a prophet of God. Go at once to Zarephath and of Sidon and say, I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to that city. And when he came to the town gate... A widow who was there gathering sticks. A widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water? Everyone just say little water. This is really important. You've got to see this. Underline this in your Bible. Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, Hey, and by the way, please bring me a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm going to gather up a few sticks to take home and make myself a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said. But first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have, what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her, so there was food every day. Everyone say, every day. For Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now, I want you to turn over the New Testament. Everyone say New Testament. At, this is about the life of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark goes Matthew, Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. This is speaking of the ministry of Jesus. And being in Bethany. Now, Bethany was just a town, just located a couple of miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. You know, you ever read the Bible, like you read, you know, Jerusalem and Bethany and Bethel and all these, man, these towns were like right on top of each other. They're right, you know, but they didn't have cars. I mean, we drive two and a half miles to the Walmart and we don't think anything about it. This town was about three or four miles outside of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that Jesus was at the house of Simon the leper. 
As he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil, a spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. In John's gospel and in Matthew's gospel, it actually says she took it, she broke it, and then she took her hair and she washed Jesus' feet. And there were some who were very indignant among them and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it, might have, for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always. And, wherever you wi- and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not always have. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And may the Lord add his blessing and power to the reading of his word. There were three guys in a local church, Frank, Jack, and Louis. Frank, Jack, and Louis all went to this local church. And one day the pastor got a report from the treasurer. And the report wasn't very good. The treasurer said, Pastor, Pastor, we're a little short this month on money. We need to do something. So the pastor, you know, being a good pastor, started to put his brain together, trying to think of ways that they could raise money so they could pay their bills and get a nice shrink wrap on one of the vans that they had just purchased out there. And so, so Fred, so, so pastor was start looking around the church, said, well, maybe we can sell something. And he went to the basement of the church and he found a, a whole room full of old Bibles. I mean, a great big room full of unused Bibles. And he had a bright idea. Bright idea. He was thinking. And so he said, I tell you what, I think I can get the people in the church to go out and to sell some of these Bibles in the community, maybe door to door to their neighbors, and maybe they get 10 bucks a piece, and each, you know, everybody sells a few Bibles, and they bring the money back to the church. We'll be able to pay our bills this month. So the pastor gets up on Sunday morning, and, and he says, okay, church, we have a need in our life. We have a need in our church. And but we have a solution. There's a problem, but God's got a solution. And I'm going to need your help. So he asked for volunteers. And I mean, three hands just shot straight up. Frank, Jack, and Louie. All three hands. And pastor says, okay, boys, you can see me after the service. I'll tell you what's going to happen. And so after the service, the pastor explains to him, okay, guys, I want you to go out, take these Bibles, and sell them. Hook them by crook. Any way that you can. Knock on doors, neighborhood, at your work. And so that week, Frank goes out, and he takes his, he starts selling his Bible, and he comes back to report to the, the pastor the next week, and he hands the pastor an envelope with $200. $200 in it. He takes that $200. The pastor's like, great job, Frank. Awesome. You know, I mean, Frank, he's a proud salesman. Jack, he's beaming now because he beat out Frank. He's a little better salesman. You know, God loves him a little more, a little more favor on him. And he hands the pastor an envelope, and that envelope's got $280. Woo! Man, they got a little rejoicing going on. They got a little Holy Ghost party happening in the house. They're cheering, you know. And but you know, Louis, he wasn't quite as sharp. You know, these two boys over here, they were professional salesmen. And and Louis, he wasn't quite as sharp. As a matter of fact, he was a little slow. Louis had a slight problem. It was called a, a speech impediment. And so the boys, Frank and Jack, they turned over to Louis and said, "Well, Louis, how did you do this week?" And he started to try to tell them and to talk to them, and finally Jack just slaps and says, come on, boy, out with it. He goes, I, 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 I don't know, but here, pastor, and he hands the pastor an envelope, and there's 
$3,200 in it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, they're just amazed. How did you do that? And he said, I, I don't know, but I, I went to the door and, and I asked them, did they want a Bible? Or, this, or do, you, do you want me just to read the whole book to you? Come on. He took an opportunity. He wasn't limited by what he didn't have. He didn't have the ability, but he used what he had, and God worked on his behalf. Now, that's a stretch on that story. That's a complete fabrication. That's a story. But today, I want to talk to you about the life of extravagant generosity. We've been talking about spiritual shape. We're shaped by God for a purpose. Five weeks ago or six weeks ago, Pastor Glenn, thank you. Heard last Sunday was awesome. Off the hook. You guys had a great time. Come on, let's give our team a great big hand. Tom led worship. And our whole team all week long. The office, support staff, everybody did a great job this week. We had a great time. We were in Gulf Shores. Had a lot of fun. Spent more money than we planned on spending. But that's what vacations are about. And now we have to pay for it. But we talked five or six weeks ago about your heart, about this, this spiritual reality of living life in the Spirit. And then I talked about your heart, having a heart that's fully yielded and surrendered to the purpose of God. And then we talked about the attitude, your attitude of faith and courage. And then a couple of weeks ago on Fourth of July Sunday, we, we talked about personal freedom. And that freedom always has a cost. There's always a cost to freedom. Someone paid a price for you to be here in this great nation today. Blood was shed. I ran into a soldier, an army soldier, this week over on a place called Dauphin Island. And he said, you know, he said, the thing about war, he said, it isn't me dying for my country that sets men free. It's me making the other guy die that makes us live a free life. I said, there's a guy that's got it figured out. In other words, he ain't looking to die. Come on, right? It's making the other guy die that gives me freedom. That's a pretty smart soldier, right? That was all free. But there's always a cost. Someone always pays a price. It's a cost. We've come and called it. Jesus paid the ultimate price. We talked about the freedom that we have in Christ. So we're shaped by God. God gave me a very clear calling as a pastor. God gave me a, pa a calling to help build people, to bring God's love to the city. That's why City Church exists. City Church exists to bring God's love to the city. And when you walk through the door, we believe that God already had a vision and a purpose for your life. And God's vision for your life went something like this. God's created you to be healthy. God's created you to be happy. God's created you to be holy. God's created you to be humble. God's created you to be faith-filled. God's created you to be fun-loving and to be a born-again Christian. God's called you to that. Now the problem is we're not always healthy. We're not always happy. We're not always holy definitely not always humble. We're not always fun-loving. We're not always faith-filled. But if you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, you're a Christian. So this is the, re the potential, the not yet, and you're in the already, the right now, and you've got to get to there. And how do you do it? How do you get to God's vision and destiny for your life? You've got to live the life that's shaped by God. And I believe this is the key that unlocks. Everyone say, this is the key. This is the key that unlocks this life, this blessed life, this life of God's favor upon you. 
What I want you to see this morning in this story is two women. There are two women, and these two women lived very different lives in different generations, but they both acted with extreme generosity in the moment. I looked up this word generosity in the dictionary. The word literally means a readiness or liberality in giving. A readiness to give. A readiness to give. Freedom from meanness or smallness of mind or character. A generous act. Nobility of thought or behavior. Extravagant generosity. There's two words this morning that I want you to hear. The first word is yes. Everyone say yes. The second word is now. Everyone say now. Come on, let's try it again. Now. All right. Yes and now. Really simple. Yes and now. These two women, although their needs were different, although their circumstances were different, both discovered the power of yes. Of saying yes. I walked through the circumstances of the two different stories, completely different stories. One woman, the widow woman, she's in the midst of a famine. A famine has come because there's been a lack of rain. Because there's no rain, farmers can't sow their crops. Because farmers can't sow their crops, people are starving to death. And God comes to one woman. God could have come to, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of women there are in Israel, the nation of Israel at this time. There's a lot of them. God comes to one. God comes to you today. By His Holy Spirit, God comes to every person. He's not a respecter of person. He's not a respecter of race. He's not a respecter of, of, of political background. He's not a respecter of your position in life or the place of power you have. He's a God of grace. He's come to every person through His Son, Jesus Christ. God came to this woman. She had an opportunity, and she learned the power to say yes. I want you to see something here. You see, her yes didn't start when she made a meal. Her yes started when the prophet asked her to give her a cup of water. She had a great need. She had a great need. They were hungry. She had one little meal. She was gathering a few sticks. She was going to go out. She's going to build a little fire. She's going to make this meal, and then she was going to die. Pretty pessimistic, right? She'd been reading the USA Today. She'd been reading the New York Times. I mean, she'd been watching the talking heads on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and Meet the Depressed and Slay the Nation. She'd been listening to all the political pundits of the day. She didn't listen to Bernard Barnke, Mr. Bernarke, who said that the next five years are going to be really rough in America. I mean, she was listening to all the reports in the land, and it wasn't looking good. There was not only a recession, there was a Great Depression, and people were starving to death. Bad deal. Everyone say, there's a problem. Houston, there's a problem. She's got a problem on her hand. But something happens. The prophet comes to her and says, give me a cup of water. This is so interesting to me. Because when the prophet asked her for a cup of water, she immediately says, hey, I don't have anything. I'm going to die. But when he asked for just a cup of water, well, she could do that. She could do the water. Hey, the water. You know, the bread. I don't know about the bread, but I can do the water. You see, when she gave the water, she was saying, yes. And when you say yes to the Lord, 
when you say yes to a need that's right around you, not in your life, but in someone else's life, you are releasing the power of generosity, extravagant generosity. But to see, it starts with a small thing. You're at work. Your coworker is kind of in a bind. Friday's your day off, but your coworker really got something they need to do. They got a family member in town or something they got to do. They really, really would like to have you work for them, and you have a choice. It's your day off, your scheduled day off. You don't have to work for them. You have a choice. Your natural tendency is to protect your day off. And so your natural tendency is to say, the first word you learn in the English vocabulary is no. No. How do you say no in Spanish? No. No, no, no. You got it. See, so your first response is to, to protect yourself. This widow, her giving, it seemed hard. You see, for the, for the woman that gave Jesus, you know, did this extravagant gift, it seemed fairly easy if you know the story. See, one story, you got this widow over here, and her story is she doesn't have anything, she's going to die, there's famine in the land. But Mary, her story is completely different. Mary, what she's going to do is she's going to ex- give it an extravagant gift to Jesus. As a matter of fact, scholars tell us that this spikener that she had, this oil was so valuable, it was worth one year's wages for the average worker, about $30,000. $30,000. One act. And listen, she, 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 took, you know, she broke it and poured it over his head and washed his feet. She prepared him for what was going to happen in just a couple of days as he was going to be hung on the cross. She didn't know all this was going to happen. She had no idea. But prophetically, God was doing something in advance. And when she did that, it doesn't say that, hey, you know, I'm out now. I'm out. Hey, I need some help over here. I'm in the poverty line. You know, she didn't say that. No. I would say she had more than enough. So she was able to give this, and she still was able to live. Two different people. They both, they both had the opportunity to say yes. They both had the moment to say yes. And they both did. Two different situations. In your lifetime, if you live long enough, you'll have seasons of your life that where there will be lack. And for some of us, maybe lack might be a long time. In your lifetime, you will have seasons of your life where you will have barely enough. In your lifetime, you'll have seasons of enough. It won't be too much. It won't be too little. It won't be enough. And if you're fortunate in your lifetime, you work hard, you save your money, you practice biblical principles of economics, you might have more than might have more than enough. What I've discovered is all of us, we're going to have seasons of life. Very few are born with a silver spoon. Very few never have any challenges in this area. Very few. There's a few we know, but that's just not the norm. 99.9% of the people. They both had the opportunity. They both said yes. The moment for the widow, the moment for her to say yes, came whenever prophet asked for a cup of water. For this woman, her name was Mary, the moment to say yes happened before Jesus walked into the room. You see, the story here is that Mary had a brother by the name of Lazarus. And Lazarus, as you know, was one of the great miracles of all of Jesus' ministry. Four days in the tomb, dead. They came. They begged Jesus to come. Martha and Mary actually came to Jesus, and they begged Jesus to come back. He said, okay, I'll come. But he doesn't show up until four days later. 
And maybe you've had that experience in your life. Maybe you've had that experience where you prayed for something to happen and it didn't happen the way that you asked or the way that you wanted. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life? And so then you begin to doubt, is God really good? And Does this really work? And all this church wants is your money. And I don't know about that. All these kinds of things that people wrestle and wrangle with. All the, the fear and the unbelief about people's future. Because things maybe didn't work out the way that you thought they should. But I want you to see what happens here. Mary, Mary is responding out of a heart of gratitude. Because Jesus did show up. Although it was late on her timetable, it was perfect in God's timetable. And when God showed up, it was a greater miracle than she ever could have experienced. And she was grateful. Now listen to me today. There's a lot of people who confess their sins and ask Jesus into their life, know they're going to heaven, and don't know how to say yes to God. As a matter of fact, there were ten lepers that Jesus healed, and only one came back and thanked him. Only one came back and chose to live a life of extreme generosity. Only one. The normative for people, the normative is to see the problems, to see the depression, to see the calamities, to see the loss of job, to see the lack, and they want to close their fist. and think that this is all I'm ever going to get. I'm just going to, I got to protect mine. I got to protect me. I got to, hey, I can't worry about this. I can't worry about putting another plate on the table for my neighbor. I can't worry about covering that person's position. I can't worry about helping this person in need. I can't, right now, I got to just take care of mine. Well, there's a sense that's true. But there's something that happens when you open your home. Both of these women open their homes. Both of these women open their hearts. And both of these women opened their hands. You see, the first natural response for the widow was, well, I don't think I can do it. But when she was asked for something simple, she was able to do it. When someone asks you to do something simple for them, that's when the power of yes is released in your life. Small things. It's the small things that begin to demonstrate the power of yes in your life. So this woman, she gives, the widow gives, and all of a sudden, I mean, she gets not just enough, but she gets more than enough. You know why that was released in her life? It was released in her life, not when she made the meal, but it was released in her life when she said yes to the cup of cold water. Jesus said it like this. When you give a, couple, a cup of cold water to one of these little children, to the least of these, you will receive my reward. You've got to hear this today. The power of yes, the power now, doing it now, and then there is a reward. There is a reward. The widow, her challenge, her challenge was lack. This is what happens. You hear all these reports. Highest unemployment. It's a fact. Highest unemployment in the United States that we've had for years and years and years. Economic collapse like we haven't seen since the Great Depression. Around the world, man, G20s meetings and nations meeting and trying to figure this thing out. Pumping billions, the largest stimulus package any nation has ever pumped in to their economy happened in 2008, pumping billions of dollars trying to keep this thing up. And everybody's trying to, all this political wrangling, everybody's made about politics. And, all this, and you just start, what am I getting, you know? And this fear starts to creep into people. Well, I don't, what am I going to do? I've got to protect mine. And, and, and it starts to come into the church. And we start to look to our solution as being politics. We start to look to our solution as being 
you know, something other than God. And what you see in both of these women's examples is that their needs were met in their life because they had their focus on the right thing. And their focus was that God was their source. For Mary, her sacrifice, her giving was a sacrifice. There's a story of David in the Old Testament. David said something like this. He wanted to build a place of worship for God. He wanted to build the temple. Church, we would call it today. But there in the Old Testament was a temple. It was a place where the ark was going to be. It was, a, it was really going to do all their priestly functions and slaughter the animals and offer up the sacrifices. And David goes to a man that owns a piece of property that he believes that he's supposed to use there in Jerusalem. And the man says, go ahead, David, take it. And David says, no, 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 no. I won't take anything that doesn't cost me. You see, it was a sacrifice. David knew that he had to give. There was something in him. The power of yes had to release generosity. He had to be a giver. There's two kinds of people in life. There's givers and there's takers. That's just it. There's two kinds of people. There's people who are full of faith and believe. There's people in the church who don't believe. There's people that every time the offering plate goes by, they wish that they could give. And there are people that do give. It's just that simple. Two kinds. There are people who believe in the extravagant life of generosity that God has called them to. And there are people who just think, if I only got mine, I can't do it for any more. And God's saying, you're limited. You're limited. You're limited. You're not seeing the big picture. You're not seeing what I, what I can do in your life if you just open up your home, if you open up your heart and you open your hands i got a call this week coming back from vacation get a phone call there's a group of of 20 potential pastors people that maybe they're pastors already but they feel like god's called them to start a church just like my wife and i have done two times my wife and i started two different churches from scratch didn't know anybody going to communities start knocking on doors bringing people to church god's hand has been on us giving us buildings it's just been an amazing journey it's not always easy. It's not always, everyone said, it ain't always easy. Come on, it ain't, ain't always easy. But it's always good. So they, I'm part of this network, and they want me to come this week, drive down to Kissimmee, meet with these 20 pastors, and do some coaching about church planning. There's going to be some other guys there, and we're going to help them and talk about the process and how it works. And, and when they asked me to do it, I'm just coming off vacation, and my first thought was, what? My first thought was what? No, I can't do it. I, got, I haven't talked to my staff. We've got all kinds of stuff going on this week. But, but I started thinking about the mission of my life. What am I called to do? Well, God clearly called me when I was a young man to plant churches, to start churches, and to help other people start churches. Every time a church starts in the area, people that we know, we try to give them money. We try to help them any way that we can. I pray for them. I encourage the guys. I take them to lunch. I've talked about church planning. I've talked to all kinds of guys around the city, our area. Because I believe it. I believe that there's no way that I can reach everybody. There's no way that City Church will ever reach everybody. We need everybody doing God's work. And if they believe in Jesus, they love Jesus, and they want to see people saved and forgiven and experience the blessed life, I'm for them. I'm not out there trying to fight my other, bat, other people's battles. I'm for people. And so instead of saying no, I found myself saying yes. Well, that's my week. Now, what's it going to cost me? Well, it's going to cost. It's going to cost me my time. Isn't that right? I'm going to drive down to Kissimmee. It takes me an hour each way. And it's going to be long. My wife and I have to try to re- rearrange our schedules and 
kind of think that through, and so it's going to cost me my time. And, well, listen, it's a lot of gas, and it's like $8 in tolls one way, right? You know, so it's going to cost me toll money. I'm not going to get reimbursed for any of this. You know, I'm not going to get reimbursed, so I'm going to cost me money, and then I'm going to give emotional energy out trying to help other people with their vision, and I really need to be focused on my vision. You see how this is how life works. Every time you live open-handed to meet the need of someone else, there's always a sacrifice. There's always a cost. Now, you might be in a place where you have more than enough, and it's easy, but you might be in a place where there's not enough in your life, where it really is a sacrifice to meet the need of someone else. So I want you to see the yes. Everyone say yes. Now I want you to see now. Everyone say now. You've got to get this this morning. There were poor all over the place. In every generation, there have been poverty. From the beginning of time, there have been people who have been poor. It's always that way. There, Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you. It was not an excuse for them not to minister to the needs of the poor. Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus commanded the disciples to give to the poor. Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. This is not a negation of a responsibility to the poor. But that what Jesus was saying is that she had a now moment. You see, because you can't meet, there, there's no way City Church can meet every need. We get people who dial for dollars almost every single day. They call a church. They don't go to our church. We don't know them. But they're, I call it dialing for dollars. They call the church, can you help me with my bill? Can you help me with this bill? Can you help me with that bill? There's no way. There's no way. I mean, man, we're just, God has been faithful to us and we're grateful and, you know, we're thankful. But, man, guys, there's just enough to take care of the needs in our family and then do the extras that we do that we choose to do as a church family. And every once in a while, somebody comes along, there's a need, and we help people out. But guys, man, you know, we're trying to do our part. See, I can't meet everybody's need, but I can meet a need that's in front of me right now. There was a need right now to worship Jesus, and this woman was willing, she was willing to give a big sacrifice, a big gift. The widow, there was a need. The prophet needed water and food. Now, you think he's a man, he'd go get it himself. Well, God was doing something in her life. God was testing her. And her response, she knew who this man was. She knew the blessing that was on this man's life. This man, Elijah, was powerful. Don't kid yourself. This man, Elijah, with a little prayer, 20-some words in the Old Testament. You can read it for yourself in the Hebrew. This man calls fire out of heaven, and it consumes a great big sacrifice, all soaked down with water. This man is powerful. He is a powerful man of prayer. And she knows, man, this guy's got God's favor on him. I want him. I want him to bless my life. So she's willing to share. She gives him a little bit of food. Now listen to me. She had to say yes, though, in the now moment. You see, you can only meet the needs that are right in front of you now. You can't live for tomorrow. You can't do anything about the past. You can meet a need that's right in front of you today. You know, I've got to deal with this. I've got to speak to this as a church. We, we don't beat people. We don't buy miracles. We don't plead with you for money. We just simply tell you the truth about God's plan prosperity and economics in your life. And it's different for every person. Trust me, it's different for every person. But what we do tell you, the truth is that when you live a life with open homes and open hearts and open hands, 
you will experience the provision and the blessing of God. You'll release supernatural favor. You'll release things in your life. God will do things for you that you could never have done yourself. You'll begin to see miracles. You'll begin to see things happen. You'll wonder how it happened. We had a really interesting thing happen last year. Last year, we partnered with a ministry called Convoy of Hope. We've never given another ministry. We've given lots. We've supported missionaries and projects, and we've given over the last 10 years you know, a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money to different churches, different ministries, different pastors, different people. But we've never given one ministry $10,000. And last year, last year, we gave Convoy of Hope, the disaster relief ministry that helps, you know, when there's a national or a major crisis like a hurricane or like an earthquake someplace in the world, they're, they're called first responder ministries. And they bring food and water and medical aid. They fly teams in. And last year, this church was able to give Convoy of Hope over $10,000. Can you give, come on, let's give, come on, give yourself a big hand. God's pleased with you. God's pleased. We had a now moment. We took some offerings. People gave. And we were able to bless people who could not bless themselves. You see, that's the power of generosity. You're able to meet the need in someone else's life who can't meet it at that very moment. That's where joy is. That's where you really, you see, you think that if, if you, we, this is what happens in our culture today, because we live in the me generation. And the me generation has our own television show. We have our own reality. What's your first name? Amber. Amber has her own autobiographical television program. It's a reality TV program. And it's starring Amber. And Amber is a star. Amber! All about Amber today. See? Veronica. Veronica has her own reality show. Her own. And she's the star of her own show. It's all about Veronica. It's all about me. It's all about mine. It's all about what I can get. It's all about my destiny. It's all about my life. It's all about me. Oh, God, I, I don't know if I can do that today. You know, God, they should work harder. They should really, I don't know, those people over there, they deserve to have those buildings fall on them in that earthquake because, you know, I just, I can't. You know, there's people that say that kind of stuff. There are people that absolutely say that kind of thing. They're like missing it, man. They're totally missing it. They're totally missing it. The now moment. Jesus never asked a person who needed healing why they had the problem they had. Not you can't find for yourself. He asked them what they wanted. They might have told them, oh, I got a problem and this is happening. Jesus, a woman comes to Jesus and her, da- her daughter is demon-possessed. Got all kinds of mental issues and giving them drugs and got Tourette's or whatever's happening, they call it today. She had big problems. Jesus said, what did you do? Were you playing with a Ouija board? Were you doing something you weren't supposed to be doing? Were you sleeping with somebody you shouldn't be? No. He never said that. He just said, do you believe? She said, oh, I believe. All things are possible to them that believe. You see, the reality is, the reality is, is that God wants to touch the lives of people. God wants to meet the needs of people. And when God meets their needs, God changes their life. The potential for them to live a healthy, happy, holy, humble life has begun. But it doesn't happen until their hearts are open to receive the grace, the forgiveness, and the power of God. And it best happens when Christians 
Stop fighting. Stop trying to figure out all the problems of the world. Listen, guys, I, I, I'm an information junkie. That's why I got the iPad. I read the news. I love to know what's going on in the world. I love to know what's going on in politics. But I can tell you right now, there's not a president, there's not a politician, there's not a pundit on television, there's not a CNN host, a Fox News host, an NBC host, there's not a host on the planet who's got the solution. Not one. There's one solution. There's one answer to all the problems of the world. And his name is Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And I'm here to tell you today, as a church, our focus must be on bringing the love of God to the city, to living extravagantly, to living a life of generosity that's not about race, it's not about politics, it's not about presidents, it's not about political position and power. It's about serving the King of Kings. We're no longer starring in our own reality TV program. It's no longer about me. Now it's about Jesus flowing through me to touch a generation that needs His love, His power, and His grace. That's the moment of now. And there's always a reward. Both of these women were rewarded, weren't they, Tom? Mary, for all of history, Mary's name will be remembered as the woman who washed the feet of Jesus with a $30,000 gift. Hey, that was a lot. Anybody ever write a $30,000 check yet? See, come on. But for the widow, her name is remembered also. 30, for, forever, we're telling her story. Forever, this widow, she gave, not everything, she gave her best and she gave her first. Listen to me. She gave her best, and she gave her first. You give God your best, and you give him your first. I don't care how much you have, how much you don't have. My life, my life, start, I've had two times in my life where my wife and I, as married couples, slept on the floor on a sleeping bag because we didn't have the money to go buy a bed. True story. Two times in our life. But you know what? God has never failed me. And when I was in that position, in that place, I'd already made the decision a long time ago to give God my best, to give God my first. I always taught. It wasn't, I was one of those 10 that was so grateful. I've been in the faith for over 23 years. I, I still, we walked down Bourbon Street in New Orleans the other day. We started to try to walk. We couldn't even walk down the street. We got about like two blocks in. It's so vile. And I just said, thank God. Because, you know, as a young man, that's where I would have been. I said, thank God, I'm delivered from that. I'm, set, I'm still so grateful. I, in a, if I had 10,000 tongues and 10,000 years, I could never thank him enough for the grace that he's given to me. I didn't deserve one bit of it. Not one bit. And either did you. I am grateful. So for me, but it's not about what I gave last year. You said, I live to give. I'm just telling you, it's not because I'm a pastor. I did this long before I ever became a pastor. I just lived to give. It was just, I was so grateful. I was so grateful. This supernatural life takes place. The reward to the widow is she never ran out of food. You know why she never ran out of food? You know why she always had enough? Because she lived like this, Glenn. There's a lot of people in America who don't have enough. They got to beg. They got to steal. They got to cheat. They got to lie. They got to kind of manipulate, twist. Not her. She's lived open-handed. God filled it up. So you don't have to, when you're a believer, you live open-handed. 
God is your source. Sitting at a table, no food in my family. I went to my bedroom and I prayed. 12-year-old boy. 12-year-old boy, pray. I remember, you know. One of the few times I really remember as a kid, God answered my prayer. I remember praying a prayer. God, knock on the door. Somebody comes in and brings my family food. You know, God, you can't explain that. But this is what happens when you choose to live open-handed. There's a reward. First two services, I read so many verses about the reward, the blessing, God's provision. But you got to make a choice. I give God my best worship. I give God, I give God my first of my week. This is Sunday. The reason you go to church on Sunday is because it's the first day of the week the believers gather together to worship God. You give Him your Sunday. You give Him the first day of the week. This is not like, you're not like an American. This is like the last day of your weekend and off to this is your first day, and you're offering it up to God. It's an offering. You're giving Him your best, your best worship, your best praise, your best offerings. You give Him the first of your paycheck. It's really, this is really simple Christianity. It's called the tithe, T-I-T-H-E, 10. It's the first. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's God's. And when you don't give to God, you're not robbing me. You're not robbing City Church. You're robbing yourself. Robbing yourself of a blessing, but you're ultimately stealing from God. That's painful. Give God your time. Give God your worship. You give Him the first of your life. First fruits. You know, today, this is about the extravagant, generous, blessed life. Thanks for listening to this message, Extravagant Generosity, with Lead Pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.